are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more totally free anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. My next guest is Lance Rappaport. Lance, how are you doing? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, it's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you, too. Uh, qu- question uh, right off the bat is, what's your anxiety story? That's the name of our, that's the name of our program, and that's what I'm going to ask you right off the bat. Wow. Well, that's very nice of you to ask. Mm-hmm. I've been listening a bit today when I can, and yeah. I'm really amazed with the number of people who are brave in, in sharing their stories it's great. Uh, dur- during this broadcast. Yeah, great. Um, it's great. You included. I, I, sorry, oh, that's very nice of you. Well, I guess uh, what I'll say is I'm uh, an, assistant pro- uh, uh, yeah, an assistant professor at the University of Windsor. Mm. Um, mostly I study the development of anxiety disorders in children and adolescents. Oh, interesting. And so a lot of my experience with it, you know, beyond just the anxiety of doing a, a live interview right now, mm-hmm. uh, comes from trying to understand how uh, these things develop, how people come to uh, children or adults come to experience anxiety and, and really where it comes from. Yeah. Um, th- so th- so you just ca- you came across this. You don't have necessarily a life experience with anxiety outside of what we consider be normal anxiety. Uh, no, I, 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 I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure if that would add a lot of information beyond the no, no, I, I, you know, I guess I'm curious what leads, you know, I, I've been asking people who are, who are, you know, I'm psychologist, psychiatrist, you know, what kind of led them to this field, you know, what led you to the field of anxiety from your perspective? I see. Um, a lot of that was personal. A lot of that's from having some, some sort of acute anxiety during university and mm-hmm. um, during school uh, around the stresses related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it also comes from wanting to understand mental health and how we can better help people mm-hmm. dealing with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so within that, when you start to look at how these things develop, you know, anxiety disorders are just so common. Yeah. And they just affect so many people that when you want to try to help, uh, you, you tend to, you, you know, at least for me, I, I try to focus on uh, helping as many as I can. And especially when we look at children and adolescents, it, it's a time when there's a lot of stress both from school, but sometimes at home, sometimes from friends. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, for me, it's a matter of trying to help children m- m- manage and, and navigate that stress. Yeah, well, chill, I mean, childhood anxiety is definitely a different animal. It's something that I certainly experienced as a child and as an adolescent throughout my life. Uh, what, how, how is that approach different? Is there, is there a different language? Is there a different set of rules that you go by when you're sort of researching and trying to understand how, how children are affected by anxiety or how it starts? Absolutely. Um, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of, uh, what we know from the science is that so many people who experience anxiety as adults, it, it doesn't start in adulthood. You know, sometimes we have things that traumas or, or really stressful events that happen that can give rise to anxiety, but for most people, it seems to be something that develops over time, and most of us can find times when we were kids or, or adolescents when uh, you know, anxiety had started back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking or, or trying to study this or, or treat children with uh, anxiety problems or difficulties managing it, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, and historically, we've kind of looked at what happens in adults mm-hmm. and seen to what degree children show the same kinds of symptoms. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But increasingly, we're realizing that, you know, if you just study what happens in kids, you sometimes see different symptoms. You see different presentations, or, or they use a different language. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to be, you know, as sensitive as possible and really see what's happening among kids mm-hmm. that help us connect with them and help them. But it's also really providing uh, new insights into how anxiety develops into adults and really what it goes through and how it sort of morphs and evolves over time. Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, uh, talking about how it manifests in kids, um, just for the sake of those, you know, maybe kids are listening or parents who have who have kids with anxiety, what are the different, w- with me, I mean, I've, I've said earlier that, the, my, the you know, my anxiety manifested in temper tantrums, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what I've come to realize as an adult. What other kind of things might, uh, might, might show that your child has anxiety? You know, I, I think that's a really important example. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things we see a lot of times with kids is that sadness or anxiety manifests as irritability. Mm-hmm. It manifests as something like temper tantrums mm-hmm. or um, maybe behaviors that look like a child is not behaving or not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And so there might be an inclination, and we sometimes see... You know, some parents or teachers have an inclination to think that a child is being defiant. Right. When that defiance is driven by fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that was exactly what that's exactly what I was. And, you know, it's interesting reflecting on and talking to my parents about how they struggled with that and not really understanding what that was at the point, you know, it, because it would often result in with me uh, conflict. I would end up getting into arguments. I would end up, you know, stomping my feet, and it would it would result in conf- conflicts. And that's not that's not me criticizing my parents because you know back in those days, I was born in 1968, and this all started happening probably somewhere around 72, 73. There just was not a lot of uh, exposure or language, you know, that that or even thought that it was that it could have been anxiety or or mental health or anything like that. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. it's really you know sophisticated of you to, to, to make that distinction, but, you know, we, we know some of this now, and a lot of effort is going into trying to disseminate that information, trying to share that with the public in whatever ways we can mm-hmm. to make people aware of what, what the science has found. Yeah, so how, how, does, how, does, how does treatment look for kids nowadays? Like, do you, see, do you have a practice where you see kids one, one-on-one? I'll, I'll spare. It's a bit of a complicated answer. Okay. Um, I did my training in Montreal. Uh, I did my own doctorate at McGill, and then did a fellowship in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I became licensed in the United States. I've only been in this position and being able to move now back to Canada for the last maybe year and a half. Right. So I, I'm still in the process of translating and, and translating, um, moving that license from the U.S. to. Canada. Right. And so it's yep. been quite a long process to be able or to be registered to be able to see children and, and adolescents here. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in process and I, I have that experience um, from training and, and from the U.S. But mm, yeah, that's, that's uh, fine. Not, yeah. You know, I'm still trying to be able to, to, to provide those services in Canada. Yeah. Because when, when I, you know, I think my first recollection of seeing a psychiatrist would have been uh, when I was like thir- 12 or 13. And all that that came of it really was me saying how I feel. And then the doctor basically saying, you know, Oh dear. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's too bad. You know, kind of, I guess kind of what you might call empathy. Um, 
and that was basically it. I wasn't sent out with any tools. Are, are kids nowadays in their treatment being being armed better for dealing with this stuff? Very much so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've heard people and, and some of my colleagues who are involved with Anxiety Canada talk about cognitive behavior therapy so far. Uh, a lot of work has gone into translating cognitive behavior therapy um, to children and figuring out how to adapt it, how to make it most suitable and most effective for kids. Yeah. And in fact, you know, now that we've translated a lot of it to children, um, work with children is teaching us important insights about how behavior therapy works, about how exposure might work, that is informing and, and improving what we do with adults. Right. Yeah. I guess that, you know, the, the real challenge lies in that translation both ways in, in interpreting what the child is going through, but then interpret it, then, then taking these rules that have been really tested and applied to adults and, and then kind of reverse engineering them for, for children. A lot of times. And, you know, some, some really good work has gone on both in the U.S., but, but especially from Canadian researchers mm-hmm. to uh, make that translation. Yeah. So, so does your does your work basically do you 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 look at how how childhood anxiety affects people as they as they age with anxiety? How does how does your what is your you know your work look like that way? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice of you. Um, uh, so we know a lot, and, and increasingly we're learning more about the role of environment and genetic risk. Mm-hmm. To develop in you know how how that's an etiology and, and in the beginning you know uh, a precursor to developing all, all types of disorders but especially anxiety disorders. Right. What what my work does is we don't know so well how something like a gene would ever develop into the complex anxiety disorders that we see either in adulthood or, or even in, in children. Right. Yeah. And so it's looking at well what are the mechanisms what are the maybe psychological processes like thoughts or behavior patterns or um, how people experience emotion that help to explain what those genes might be doing mm. that develop into anxiety. Right, right. Okay, I see. And then so that, and then in turn, this informs how you can treat people who are sufferers of have anxiety younger age to various, to, just, to all their ages. We, we think so. And it, it seems like when you know what's happening, you, you can understand better who's at risk mm-hmm. and better intervene when anxiety is just starting to develop mm-hmm. to try to prevent it or try to address it earlier on. Right. You know, to some degree, it makes it easier to treat, but especially I get concerned about the amount of time that children suffer with anxiety before they seek help, before people notice or they're uh, comfortable in telling someone. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can find it earlier, maybe we can help before there's been a lot of pain or a lot of suffering, mm-hmm. you know, without treatment. Yeah. So from for me growing, you know, for me, you know, when I, when I was young and uh, uh, well, I had a, you know, of course, we came from a different era. I did. Um, and how how has you, have you had to alter your research or alter your game according to the kind of technology that kids now possess and use every day. Um, Has that changed how you approach your studies? You know, technology is moving quite fast Mm -hmm. and in in different directions. Mm -hmm. So in in what I do, it's really 
open new avenues to assess what's happening for children and, and to understand what their experience. You know, we, we've moved, and, and a lot of my work uses smartphones and, and apps that we can put on smartphones yeah. to uh, not just understand, hey, you know, which children might be at risk, but what, what actually happens for them during their daily life? What right. do they actually experience? And, and how does anxiety kind of come and go mm-hmm. during the day? Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah, because it's a, it's definitely it's definitely a different a different game and it, you know i guess my curiosity is you know there's always this you know speaking speaking on a on on the level of how kids are affected by their technology and by this kind of connectivity that they experience you know what what my kids call socializing is very different than what i call socializing um so you know i guess i guess that's a part of my curiosity is how, how whether technology ha- it, i guess it's an obvious answer but exacerbates Anxiety. It seems like, from my perspective, it seems like it does. And has that kind of been reflective in your research too? Um, to be fair, I, I, I understand the, the idea, and I, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't. I, I personally haven't looked at it much. I know some some colleagues around North America who are starting to examine that process, mm-hmm. and you know, their, their general conclusion, at least so far really has been that there are positive and, and negative, that there are yeah. some benefits and, and there are some risks. Yeah. So I don't know that technology is entirely risky, but yeah. there are new challenges and new things to, to consider. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I guess my, yeah, I'm not trying to blame technology, but it's definitely, it definitely is a game changer in many ways. And, and in many ways it can, you know, it can lead to different, uh, different, you know, possible possible anxiety issues but it can also be a solution just like the the anxiety canada mindshift app can be a solution uh as well you know that that's my hope and i i try to do whatever we can um to see if if using those tools really can be helpful in treatment so i'm, I'm excited to work with anxiety canada in, in understanding the mindshift app and how that might be useful yeah how might how people might be able to use that to really help address anxiety and and especially at those times when it just sort of peaks. I know from my own experience, like right before this interview, mm-hmm. um, I, I felt like I was, you know, in line for a roller coaster. Right, yeah. And it, it yeah. becomes quite severe. There's that kind of surge. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people describe it as butterflies, or it can be a lot worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's sometimes hard to have treatment at that time or, or find someone to help in that minute. Yeah, but I, I hope that something like the MindShift app gives people those tools and helps them to use that information whenever they need it. So it's it's right there, ready for you. Yeah, definitely, um, Lance. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. It's been really informative, and it's very important that people speak out. And you're definitely one of them. So thank you very much. I'm glad. Thank you for organizing this and and for hosting it for for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is. That's that's part of it. And it's uh, I I. I'm just the host and I, uh, Anxiety Canada, the staff they have here have been immeasurably that they've made it happen. So, um, it's definitely a big team effort going on here. Although it's one voice, it's a lot of faces I'm looking at through the window here. That's making everything work. It's really a quite, quite an amazing team. Okay. That's great. Thanks for talking to us, Lance. You too. Take care. Thanks for listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. And if you like what you hear, 
please consider making a donation. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Until next time.